1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Welcome back to TF3 on a Sunday night where we review all the games, preview Champions League. This is the point in the season where it gets good and we tell you more and more about things to come in the season. Joining me tonight, live, on his way back from Manchester, Dave, you must have been so upset. Nah,
3: didn't hurt me too much, to be honest, mate. We'll get- oh, I'll move on from the- this little defeat.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, we'll get into that in just a second, because there are reasons to be positive and negative, depending on which blue or red you are in Manchester. Um, of course, that away kit for City still irks me. Uh, Nick, is it is Nick Morales, right? Morales? It's uh, Nick Morales, yeah. Yeah. It's a good name. I like, it's sort of a, it's a showbiz name in a way. Um, it so, is? Yeah. I, I never, no one's ever said that to me. No one's ever said that to you me. You sound like you should work for E! Like News or something. Me? Uh, yeah, now live from the red carpet. Nick Morales is joined by <laughs> Taylor Swift, you know?
4: Hey, tell somebody that at E! News and, I'll, and I'll, I'll hop right on it.
2: Whereabouts are you in the States, Nick?
4: I am in uh, the too, always too hot Orlando, Florida.
2: Beautiful. I know some great people from around that area started many careers on, uh, on the world soccer area. Uh, and then the final person who truly lives world soccer, uh, Chris Hennage, who's coming live from a car somewhere in the New York state. We're in New Jersey, then, actually. Hmm? It's, uh, it's it's a place. you just off the turnpike.
1: Uh, something like that.
2: Yeah. I think that's not an innuendo, Chris. I know, you know. Yeah, so to speak. Anyway, um, more from Kristen later. Kristen is going to be bringing us many, many things. He's in New York. He's just seen DC versus New York Red Bulls. He's live on the ground. Chris, what was it like live on the ground?
1: It was a real cascade of very differing emotions um, because of what this day represents in, in American history. And also the fact this was the meeting of the two cities that you could argue were most impactful by September eleventh. And to to witness that as an outsider is is very difficult to really put into words that I think reflected fairly as much to say. It was very touching to see not just the teams, the supporters, but it felt like for just a minute there the two cities come together and, and remember those that, that sadly are no longer with us and then give us a, a spectacle that I thought was, was was a good contest as well. So it was yeah, it was it was very contrasting, I
2: think, is, is one way to put it. Yeah. A very emotional day, obviously, in, in New York City itself. Um, obviously, we're referencing uh, 9-11 and uh, the events that happened on and everything around that as well. Um, I'm imagining, Chris, that it was a particularly emotional um, national anthem at the beginning.
1: It was, yeah. It, it's, I mean, that national anthem in general, I think will stir most people, it, it certainly stirs me. Um, yeah. But there was an extra kind of, an extra layer of, I think, pride to it when it was sung today. Um, and, and it certainly seemed to reflect in, in the American players on the field. In fact, I, I spoke to, to one or two of them afterwards and um, I think we'll slice that in somewhere along along this timeline.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit tricky because it is a special
1: day and it means so much to so many people. And um, But at the end of the day, you also have to you know go out and perform and so um you're trying not to get caught up in in too much of either side but um yeah it is, it's it's you know, you know how
2: much it means to the country and um especially to the families that were affected by it and so um a lot of importance is placed on a day like this
1: just to kind of get their thoughts as, as people with a bit more of a a personal and i think um emotional perspective than that i can give
2: yeah, because obviously we were watching from the opposite side of the pond uh, in many ways. Because still quite young at that stage. was well, not quite ready to sort of process those sort of things. I think people don't really realise the impact that it had on New York until you kind of go to New York. Um, but a very unusual day overall for a lot of people, Um
3: just a, a little point on on casey one of casey neistat's um videos he does he's got it on the 11th september the 11th and if you want a perspective of someone that was actually in new york at that time that's a really good video it's yeah. on his youtube channel it's really good just like sort of encapsulates what it meant to new people from new york yeah I go check it out
2: yeah really was it that is a good video in particular because he's he's riding around on a bike uh he was i think he was very close to the initial uh hits uh, in, in both the towers and then sort of the further away he got, it became more and more unusual. And it sounds like quite a bizarre day, uh, as it probably would have been for most people, not, if not, uh, you know, much, much worse for a lot, a lot more people out there. Um, anyway, Chris, it's really good to have you joining us live from New York uh, on such an in, in interesting day, uh, culturally and such a sort of a momentous day, um, for some different people is, you know, the further away they get from those events, the more, uh, maybe New York is sort of growing in another direction now, but in a very positive way. Um, Chris, what, what is MLS football like uh, this season? Let's, let's go into that right now because it's probably a good time to cover it, right?
1: It's, uh, I would argue, a, a season of surprises. Um, you have the Colorado Rapids who uh, were really close to the bottom last season who are now really edging their way towards the top in, in the West, which is, I think, arguably, and I, I think Nick will agree with me on this, it's the more competitive of the two. The East is a little bit uh, lacking, I think, in, in quality and it's, it's a success founded on, I think, what we see increasingly now with the championship team is wins, clean sheets, being, being and talented, um, and it's, it's a surprise to, I think, most people, self-included, because I was actually suggesting towards the back end of last season that they should cut the coach Pablo Mastroeni altogether because he just didn't seem to have the right kind of ideas for, for the team. But actually, with a bit of patience, it seems like they've been able to to foster what they were after tactically. Um, And then you've got the teams that that maybe play stuff that is a bit more appealing on the eye, the likes of the Red Bulls, the likes of FC Dallas, who, again, it's funny, Colorado beat Dallas last night in a a meeting that was kind of uh, beauty against the Beast in in terms of tactical styles. So there's a lot... still to be decided this is is quickly approaching the business end, and this is when it gets i would argue most exciting because you have so much on the line that the games are running out and and the playoffs are, are rapidly approaching
2: that's such it feels like such a quick season that feels like just yesterday that you and i were previewing it
1: mm, it's it, it really has flown over and, and again it is i think this is something that's said every season relative to MLS that it feels like this has been the biggest growth here I think there's been interesting developments away from the field um in terms of teams being a bit shrewder with their their scouting and and how they bring players in and who they look to bring in and I think in general the the appeal of the league is, is growing increasingly with international players um there was a, I believe he's Austrian winger, Diane Rover, who is now with the Red Bulls, who was playing today. And I think, I don't know if that kind of signing uh, comes to MLS maybe a, a few years ago, not because he's a huge star or anything, but I think maybe he looks around Europe before he, he considers coming to the States.
2: But he did, he did consider coming to the States and has, obviously. He has, and he, he had a solid game. I think he's still trying
1: to pick up the nuances of things. He's still trying to understand the the subtleties of when you can hold the ball and when you can't because th- there are genuine instances where you can almost see, particularly with European players, they're expecting a little bit more time in certain avenues that they got when they were playing back home that they yeah. just don't get now. And I, th- I think in general, you look at someone like Bradley Wright Phillips, that's someone who fully gets it. He, he didn't arrive in that league with fanfare or any kind of uh, big backing. He was actually a trialist at one point that, that managed to get on the the Red Bulls team. And now he's their the all-time leading goal scorer. He gets a goal again today. It's it's very much a story of someone who was willing to, to work hard and um, put the effort in. And I think when you do that, you will, will be rewarded in this league. It's it, seen as quite a cutthroat league because of the way the trading system works. I would agree with that personally. I, I think it, it can be a little bit damaging to... Individual legacies, um, and we've seen a pretty good example a few years ago with uh, Houston Dynamo. I also think that, that again, it's a league that rewards hard work, and, and maybe that's not
2: to everyone. I believe is probably what Chris is going to say there um, anyway. Yeah, to, to everyone
1: all the time.
2: Yeah, it's a really good point. I, um, I, let's just very quickly brush upon it the, the feelings around London Donovan um, because you know he's coming out of retirement, Chris. Guessing that Chris is going through a tunnel at this point. Uh, Nick, can you sort of enlighten us in any way on on uh, Landon and his international uh, his international prowess, which is now uh, gracing MLS yet again.
4: Yeah, I think a lot of Americans sort of hold uh, Landon Donovan in, in a certain respect as as one of the greatest players to ever, you know, play for the U.S. and, and in in the U.S. And he was a, a key figure for a lot of people to associate American soccer for a long time before they really had any anyone that they could recognize as, okay, this is our star. Yeah. So for him to come back and sort of, um, you know, like you said, grace the league once again is, is exciting for a lot of people. There's some mixed feelings because he is 34 years old now, uh, but I think he can definitely make an impact, a positive impact. Uh, in LA which for me it probably plays some of the best football in the league um, but just to sort of add to what Chris was saying I think you know as someone that is a is a younger journalist in, in the industry a lot of people sort of told me because I began my writing with uh, with European stuff um, said you know opportunities are going to come to you more frequently if you start to cover you know the league that's closest to you and so you know upon hearing that I started to cover Orlando and just you know as a reference point I I, I was I expected to be underwhelmed. And for, for the majority of the time, I think it, the play has been good. So if you're someone out there that is looking to, to watch something new, I think MLS is a, is, a good, is a good prospect for that.
2: Yeah, I'm always excited by MLS. And uh, Dave, I think for you, maybe this sounds like one big MLS advert, but maybe for you, one of the best things is uh, the fact that it's, it's, that they're kind of building towards stats in a way. America is always a, a very sort of stats-based culture in terms of sport, but MLS was sort of always built to be able to inhabit that sort of culture,
3: yeah, I think so. It's the perfect place, you know. American fans are really into their stats, as you mentioned there. For for me, MLS, I just feel that it's at the wrong time. I'd like, Brilliant. I'd love to watch it, I'd love to experience it, but you know, it's the time where we have to sleep, and unfortunately, it's it's the clock, and that's the problem. If I could stay up twenty four hours a day, yeah, hundred percent, I'd watch the MLS. I love how they've you know they've grown over the last few years. I love how they've attract started to attract some really good players, but also some really good coaches have developed in America. And they are coming over to, to, to Europe in a way to showcase their talent. So, yeah, I, I like them. And I think it's, it's going to take off, really. you know, Pulisic coming in now as, as the new wonder kid. Uh, better than Freddie do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Mm,
2: good. Yeah, Pulisic is a very exciting prospect, but not one that will move to Liverpool. I know, for good reason, says some people at Liverpool. Because when you get turned down, the best thing to do is say, yeah, right. Um, Chris, are you still there? I am, yes. Good. OK, I, I believe you went through a tunnel or something. I'd, uh, I just want to sort of finish off our chat a little bit, because on the season preview that we did together, it's a fantastic season preview graphically uh, and informationally, uh, even if I do say so myself. Um, it It is, um, Chris, it, it is a red or is it a blue city this season?
1: I think it's it's got to be a red one. The, the 7-0 uh, set MLS records in terms of uh, winning margins and things like that. You could maybe, if you are of the blue um, Mm -hmm. persuasion, argue that they're going for the bigger prize, which is MLS Cup. And and it's a bit like Portland and Seattle in that sense. Winning that first MLS Cup, it it is something that both teams want to do. There's a a genuine pride in achieving that goal, as well as actually just being able to, to lift a cup and say you've done it.
2: Yeah, interesting stuff. Well, there's one city that is certainly blue with a little red. Uh, this weekend if you count their away kit nick are you happy about having a red away kit because it is a bit weird
4: i i'm not a big fan of the the away kit there is sort of tbd on a uh on a third kit but as far as the away kit goes hate it the home kit love it
2: do you just hate it just purely because it's red
4: no, I just don't think it looks very good. the The home kit, like the Nikes followed sort of the same pattern with with both kits. It's just a difference in color and I, I just I'm not a big fan of the the colors that they've used on the second kit, not just because of the red, but just aesthetically.
2: You, it, it is almost Battle of the kit that weekend, wasn't it? I like Manchester United's home kit. I like uh, uh, I like the city's. but Dave, do you not know you're going to cut in there, Dave?
3: No, I don't, don't really care about the kits, it's Lawrence May. It's all about the red half of Manchester anyway, so I think they're just trying to be more like us, mate.
2: <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they were trying to put something that was just red in the uh, in the sort of range so that then, you know, people who like Nike could kind of cynically buy a Nike kit um, and a training kit or something like that while they're away. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, well, you started this weekend in Manchester, so let's start our analysis in Manchester. Uh, at least for the Premier League, we started in New York, like all good podcasts do. Um, it would, was... Nick, talk me through talk me through your thoughts because most people are talking about the 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 brilliant way with which City sort of approached the game.
4: Yeah, I think basically I I have so many thoughts about the game, but uh, tactically I think this is. The game that we only saw a glimpse of what Mourinho sort of versus Guardiola could could bring us. I mean, obviously there was Aguero missing, and I thought for a moment that Mkhitaryan wasn't going to be there, and some people thought Zlatan wasn't going to be there. But United has a, had a full full strength team. But I think you know pre match Mourinho sort of seemed in the in the comments that he made, he seemed like he had. He he had made some tactical, you know, discovery by by announcing that let's see, you know, if the fullbacks come inside or whatever, and and I think he he was found out. City's game exposed United because they played incredibly deep. The the focus was to play the ball out of the back. That's why Bravo played in the game, and that pulled United out. Um, it it kept certain players out of the game. I think uh, in my pre-match preview on SB Nation, I wrote that. I wasn't sure if Paul Pogba was going to be able to cope within the system because it's a it's a game where if you look at the statistics, just the possession statistics in the past few games, United though they are the dominant team of the teams that they played before City, uh, they they like to keep the game open because it gives them a variety of chances on the counter. And so for me, since City seek to dominate the possession, I wasn't sure how Paul Pogba was going to cope without or with having the ball just a few times. And for me, he was relatively anonymous in this game.
2: Yeah, Dave, what did you think about that, the way the midfield shapes?
3: I think it was just a massive uh, um, mistake from, from Mourinho and the United players to let the likes of David Silver and Kevin De Bruyne get free reign in front of our back four. It was a bit naive. Fellaini wasn't great at picking up the space in front of the back four. Pogba vacated it too much. Something I highlighted on my YouTube channel, that like, you just need to deal with those free eights. You need to be so solid defensively. Because you know exactly where they're going to go. And what they did was they did that. You know, United got drawn out by City holding the ball deep in their half. The space opened up. They bypassed, City bypassed the midfield. They hit De Bruyne. And then De Bruyne just caused so much chaos. His movement was brilliant. De Bruyne is one of the best players in, in the world with his movement off the ball. I put him up there with someone like uh, Thomas Muller. I'd say Muller's probably number one. And they would say De Bruyne's number two. But we've not seen that... De Bruyne movement so far under Guardiola who's been quite static and he's played a reserve role this is the first time we actually saw him attack the space, you know when United were sort of drawn on the left side deep to Silva who kept on coming deep to the ball, then De Bruyne would make that move and spin him behind, you know, in two minutes what he, he got into the, that sort of triangle of Bay, Antonio Valencia and Fellaini got in that sort of space, whipped the ball out right across the, the box, could have been a goal um, took his goal very well, but the issue with that as well, you know, going back to Paul Pogba I don't think this system suits Paul Pogba. This is a system that is very similar to the French system in the Euros. I, I criticise that very heavily. Mm-hmm. feel that United do have to go back to a, a 4-3-3. And, and Pogba needs to be that guy breaking. Another problem with United was there was always five attackers when they were attacking a little bit too much, over committing themselves. And again, it opened up space for De Bruyne. Um, for the De Bruyne goal, Pogba completely loses him. Well, if you're going to play that system against City with that movement um, in the, in that space you need to be able to be knowing where an opponent is. And it just looked like Pogba switched off. De Bruyne uh, nicked the ball off Blinden and scored a goal. And, and unfortunately, that was it. That pretty much killed United's game plan. Nick, so early, a very early goal.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, Nick, that was part of it, really, wasn't it? it was, uh, and you know, I, I really enjoy what David was referencing there. Basically, the fact that Aguero is not in the team almost allows KDB a little bit more space. And United didn't really deal with that. But it was also the confidence with which City played this system, which got them so much of the ball. And they were they're very dominant in that sense.
4: Yeah, I I would definitely agree, and I think I know you know Dave praised uh, Kevin to the high heavens, and I think he's a great player as well. But I think I also said uh, before the match that it it might not matter if if Aguero wasn't going to be in the game because if you look at the best sort of Guardiola half of football that uh, City played before the Derby. It was the first half of West Ham and Aguero wasn't really part of that. He was just the movement. And so Iannaccio was making enough movement to occupy a defender and that allowed for Kevin De Bruyne to expose the space in the middle. And part of, you know, they did play the system with a lot of confidence. They have to have confidence in their passing. It's a key part of the team. I I don't think you necessarily have to be one of the best players in the world in order to be a part of a Guardiola system. I think a perfect perfect example of that is no He's not one of the best wingers in the world, not even close, not even top five, top ten, top twenty. I would even say he's just he understands the movement that needs to be made. He's good with his feet and he can participate in that system because he works hard. And so all of these things, coupled with the tactics that Guardiola seeks to employ, are what made uh, uh, City victorious on the day. I think.
2: Yeah, Chris. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Manchester United's confidence, though.
1: Yeah, I, I just think, and it's something I know Dave's touched on, is the change in their confidence since Mourinho's come in and since those new players have come in, I almost feel as if and it does kind of relate back to what Dave was saying is that confidence then cost them in the derby because they did come out and try and play City with, with a quite cavalier approach in that sense that I didn't think suited them at all, I think you really can't give De Bruyne and Silva that kind of space to operate in. And just in general, they they seem to me a little bit disjointed. They didn't seem as harmonious as as City in terms of the way they were moving the ball. I thought Fernandinho was, was again, brilliant. Um, And I think he'll continue to be a a really big player for them. I'm also questioning as well Wayne Rooney's inclusion. I I just... It's a point that I've made a few times now and and I do just feel he makes them so inefficient in, in attack... And doesn't allow them to achieve their potential as a, as a unit. And whether Mourinho is willing to persist with him, of course, I, I just think the longer that he does, the more he hampers their the title chances, looking at things in the, the broader pictures.
4: Nick? Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, what Chris said about about giving David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne space. I think it was uh, they they did have a lot of space to operate because of the passing triangles that they were allowed to have in the midfield, but I think I see a huge problem with Mourinho's sort of preferred formation and that's what caused the implosion at Chelsea was sort of this implementation of like a false 4-2-3-1 formation where you don't play two defensive midfielders. You play Fellaini and Pogba, and Pogba's not a defensive midfielder. He was getting caught. He didn't know what defensive position to take in order to shield that back not. That's what created sort of the instances where United could be exposed.
2: David, sort of rare, but that I mean, obviously uh, Mourinho didn't get it wrong in that sense. He sort of blamed the players very much post-game. I think his post-match comments, more. Al- I mean, you, you don't want to say threw them under the bus, but essentially he said, you know, I would have made all the changes if I could have in the first 20 minutes uh, because he instantly yeah. realized how, how Mourinho was playing. But surely, I mean, surely you can make some changes to sort of discount that, or you'd have thought that you know, whoever they had on the bench, they could sit someone a little deeper.
3: Well, they did, yeah, he did. I thought at half the time he made that made the change and it completely chored up United for a bit yeah, until they started going gung-ho and Fellaini and Pogba were almost playing as number tens um, yeah. at the same time with four up front and that sort of thing. But I think, uh, you know, Blind has been brilliant this year, but he, uh, for both of the goals, didn't do the right thing. You know, he was too... Wasn't committed for the challenge with De Bruyne. Was uh, played on um, Nacho for the second goal. Again, it's something where the Mourinho said, "Yeah, there was there was little minor, you know, mistakes." You know, he also mentioned one thing that he mentioned in the press conference. I found really interesting. How was how he was telling players not to take a touch, telling the defenders not to take a touch, and getting rid of the ball because he knows how intensively that Guardiola Manchester City press, and that was an issue. You know, if they're not following that tactical instruction, that's mm. a big one. Yeah, that's a simple thing. That isn't um, that isn't difficult to to clear a ball instead of playing a pass out the back. Just basic stuff like that. It, it potentially, the players may not have taken uh, to Mourinho's style and philosophy and, and, and tactical instruction yet. And I think that's the thing. This game's come very, very early for both managers. And Guardiola has won, and Guardiola deserves to win this. But I think the next one will be more of a test of how, you know, the test of the two sides, the Mourinho side and the Guardiola side.
2: Mm, interesting stuff. Um, yeah, Nick, you've got a question for Dave?
4: Yeah, I sort of have, uh, you know, a realization about Pogba in the sense that, you know, when the move was made, not that I don't think he's a fantastic player, but when the move was made, you know, he is an Adidas player and some of the signings that, that United made this summer sort of seemed very commercially involved and sort of seemed very commercially motivated in the sense that, you know, they're the Adidas team, Adidas is, you know, uh publicly backing united and so you sort of look at paul pogba's playing career and he was at a juventus team that the midfield was built around him in order for him to succeed you have players like claudio marquisio andrea Pirlo, arturo vidal who would all cover for him and and allowed him to be on the pedestal and get those vine highlights and the and the highlight reel moments as well as you know in the france team a variety of midfielders that could cover for him and make him feel or or do the things that he can do but you know in a counter-attacking team where you're going to play at times when you're playing teams that are on the same level, do you think he'll be able to succeed with very little amounts of the ball?
3: Yeah, 100%. Like, you, you know, Pogba, one, he, he's very, very young and very inconsistent. He was quite quite poor in the last game as well. He, he didn't really get himself on the ball. I think City dealt with him very well. I think this is a thing that's been pushed back by the media. City, any time that Pogba got a bit of steam, whether he you know, beat a few players, got a run in City or instantly fouled him, See, uh, Pogba suffered four fouls in the game, no play on the pitch did more. But going back to your question about how uh, can Pogba, will it suit this system? You know, you look at Juventus versus Roma last season. Paul Pogba played his role as a, as a shuttler in central midfield. And he was so good. He worked very hard. He won tackles He made interceptions. And then when the crucial moment came, he got the assist for the goal, only goal of the game. And I think that's the moment that Paul Pogba can explode. But I think it's the consistency. You know, the last two seasons I've watched him at Juventus, I've watched Juventus quite a lot. Um, say t- two years ago he was really inconsistent last season he was less, con- less inconsistent and again I think it's going to take time for him to get that consistency and that's why he's, he's still not the best midfielder in the world because he's not consistently performing at a high level but he will do it will just take a bit of time and a bit of time to get Mourinho to adjust to the system because like you said Paul Pogba needs a ball player behind him and someone to work hard next to him he needs a midfield three he does not do a two at all
2: Dave, Dave is Latam exempt from criticism within this United team because he's seen as somewhat of a luxury player
3: I, don't, would, I think Zlatan's been brilliant. He's he, scored. He has
2: he's scored good, four I mean, league goals. Yeah, no, I know. Five in all competitions. We, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying to du- directly criticise him, but obviously, you know, or subject surroundings. Zlatan is it sort of difficult think, to bring those up? No, anyway? uh, I think
3: I think Zlatan's playing his role perfectly. I think the one player that we haven't even touched on is, is Wayne Rooney. Well, Absolutely I mean, atrocious did, Chris again. Did, Chris
2: did mention him, but I mean, and Chris said you know he didn't <laughs> quite understand how.
3: <laughs> yeah, sorry, Chris did mention t- him, but, but- yeah, like, I don't think you can call Zlatan out without speaking about good old Wayne Rooney, who's just useless and he just doesn't fit in this team anymore. Mm. And it's it just, again, his performance was so poor that he didn't deserve to be on the pitch. Yeah, McTyrian did look a little bit injured, kept on doing the same thing coming inside. I would have switched Lingard and McTyrian around after 15 minutes because they City were causing a lot of problems down United's right. McTyrian wasn't covering his fullback. Jess Lingard does do that. So I would have switched that early doors. I would have made that change to try and uh, negate the fact, negate the Kevin De Bruyne movement. So, you know, close that space down or whatever, and sit a little bit deeper. But yeah, Wayne Rooney was just again anonymous. And if you're you're playing him at number ten, and Marcus Rashford sitting on the bench, and Anthony Martial sitting on the bench, you've got to really look at yourself and and question what you're doing in terms of decision making.
2: Mm. Rashford was fantastic when he came on. There were there were real, there was some great highlight show. Uh, bits in there from Rashford but anyway moving on Uh, we found out why Zlatan uh, sort of I don't I I use a football app called uh, Forza Football you know amongst many others Dave Squawker etc etc fan (laughs) jewel bam Um, send them that time code Uh, anyway uh, the 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 point that this (laughs) one was though that um, Zlatan sent bravo a present before the game and when's Latan scored in this game if you go on the one football app and you click the goal takes you a link to a present website where you can give presents to people now if there is now nick brings up this point earlier dave a few too many commercial deals going on dave
3: yeah, sorry, someone dropped. Someone's dropped out. Yeah, it's, it's
2: Chris. I think. I think
3: Chris will be uh, this, so Don't worry about
2: it. Um, I'm sorry. I got scared. Yeah,
3: um, no, I, 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 I'm not too arsed, to be honest. Football's football. I think uh, I had a debate in a lad with a lad at the pub who made some very good points about how football has gone away from the working man's game. Um, you know, it's turning into this beast and, and so forth. I think it will do. Um, for me, Adidas's involvement in Manchester United is, is quite cool. I'm a big fan of Adidas' clothing and, and so forth, but yeah, it, it could Brilliant. be a commercial thing where um, the likes of Ibrahimovic, the likes of McTyrion, the likes of Paul Pogba... Uh, have come into Manchester United, but I'm always going to go back to Mourinho. their are Mourinho signings. They, aren't, they aren't, There's no commercial backing in those signings. They are top quality players, best player in Syria, one of the best players in the Bundesliga, the best player in Liga. their signings to get United back competitive, and, and that's the best thing about Man United. Last yesterday, is that it was competitive again. We didn't roll over. We went for. We tried to win the game. Um, when we were down a goal, we put more attackers on. We haven't seen that for years. You know, Ferguson used to chuck attackers on. You know, '99 Champions League final. Bang, get the attackers on four forwards on the pitch at the end. We didn't see that under I we didn't see that under David Moyes. But Mourinho was playing a 3 3 4 at the end, which was pretty insane. And I am happy about that. I'm happy that, you know, he evaluates the game state, and if an attacking change needs to be made, do it. And that's why I like Mourinho, and that's why he will be a success at Manchester United.
2: Mm. Mm. I'm now looking through A to Z long sleeve clothing, one point one designs, Dave. All thanks to Zatan. <laughs> uh, a beautiful design. Good lad. Uh, very nice. Uh, does I mean it could just be? I'm not insult. It's a, ni- it's a nice jumper. Put it that way. Apparently, you can you can show autumn or winter who's boss with long sleeves. Um, great. Uh, a, a quick word on Bravo, Nick. I mean, obviously, people seem to say that the the almost people are sort of conflating. Uh, headlines a little bit, because Bravo is obviously his own man. I don't know how much of the headline he would have seen about Joe Hart, but people are sort of drawing lines between the two. You know, was he nervous in his first derby? Was he more nervous than Joe Hart? Um, ridiculous things. Everyone seems to want Joe Hart to hate Bravo and vice versa. Why Why Bravo would hate Joe Hart? I have no idea. Um, but I, I know. imagine Bravo was... Or
1: Hart, excuse me, was more nervous when he dropped back Clang of Torino.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was what I was going to get on to. the two. I mean, Chris, do you not find it a little bit ridiculous that people are almost conflating headlines here? That So there's a... I mean, there may be it may be the ultimate parody on Twitter, but people sort of saying things like, uh, you know, uh, oh, the, the Bravo's face when uh, Hart drops this. And you sort of think, well, I doubt he saw it. He's probably busy. So, pitting them against each other like that. Yeah, but why? But why? It's, it's, if it's, goal, I don't think... I mean, goalkeepers work next to each other on a day-to-day basis, surely. Surely not.
1: It, yeah, it, it, I mean, that is something I've I've personally always been keen to explore but not had the opportunity is to understand the relationship between goalkeepers because, on the one hand, you're trying to make each other better, Yeah. but in doing that, you're potentially the turkey voting for Christmas. It, it is a very... I think, unlike any other position on the pitch, it is a very... Convoluted one in that sense, it's a very complex one, um, and I think honestly, a lot of the response to the Bravo situation. I know Gary Neville's maybe taking the most pelters for that line about it being a Premier League cross um, that Bravo couldn't deal with for the goal.
4: Mm.
1: I think honestly, if if I'm a City fan, if I'm someone looking at it, I'm quite pleased with how Bravo responded because he didn't change his game at all. He, he played largely the same was was quite comfortable on the ball um, in terms of distributing it and all that kind of stuff. And that is a, a cornerstone of what Guardiola wants to do. So I, th- I think, again, we're, we're very keen to almost serve as judge and jury and...
2: I hate that TV show.
1: <laughs> bestow someone in all that kind of thing. When in actuality, you know, not every story has a right and wrong. I, I think... Joe Hart has had a very good career with Manchester City. It may continue still. At this precise moment, he is a player of Torino in the same way that Bravo is a player of Manchester City trying to adjust to their style of play. I thought it was a solid showing, personally. I, I think um, he could have he could have done better with the, the cross and the goal, of course. That's the perils of being a goalkeeper. If you make a mistake, there's a good chance you've conceded a goal. Part it, of it, again, mean, part, it is. Part of it was... Very unique position.
2: It was, it was ironic almost a little bit, though, wasn't it, Nick? Because there was one point in the game where obviously the constant commentary whenever he picks up the ball is, uh, you know, oh, he, he looks nervous out there, he looks rattled, he looks shaken, blah, blah, blah. And then he was forced to make a long pass. And it was a, it, it was a misplaced long pass. And, you know, one of the biggest stats that was being thrown around was how good his passing was, how accurate it was. Um, and, you, you know, there are, there are little things in there that, you know, you can sort of get the... Essentially, you can paint a terrible picture about someone, but ultimately, the point is sometimes it can take a little time to adjust to a league, and ultimately, you know, De Gea's done it, Reina's done it, a number of sort of good uh, pr- previously La Liga-based goalkeepers have done it. Courtois has done it, you know.
4: Yeah, I would, I would certainly agree with everything that y- you and Chris have said, but I, I, I sort of sense, <laughs> I, I sort of sense this. Uh, whenever I hear the the you know the commentating for the match, I sort of sense this this almost anger. That uh, a foreigner has come in and taken Joe Hart's spot at Manchester City. I mean, it's I, remember the of Brexit, Nick. <laughs> um, I remember a specific. The opposite I remember a specific instant where he he made a, a a you know twenty thirty yard pass. It was relatively easy, and you know the commentator was like, "Oh well, I could have made that pass." I think it was Arlo White. Yeah, um, he's always. Given City, I don't know well, he has what problem he has with us, but um, he's always saying bad things, but he's like, oh, well, I could have made that pass. But, you know, in regards to his performance, I I, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that Bravo gives the system what it needs. It, need, it needs an outlet at the back, and although it wasn't the greatest of performances, obviously he didn't catch that ball. It was a collision between him and Stones, actually, which is uh, maybe something's wrong with the... Um, Guardiola has decided to go with a zonal marking system instead of a man-to-man because we have literally the shortest team in the Premier League on average. Yes. Um, So, you know, there's a problem there, but I I didn't think it was a bad performance at all.
2: Maybe maybe there's aspects of also translation there. Mine in Spanish is... uh, Mio. Exactly, Nick. That's why we got you on the podcast. Anyway, uh, let's finish (laughs) off on City's big week to come and a few other big uh, teams uh, to come this week with uh, the Champions League... Now, Dave, before we go into City being the Champions League, should we go into Jose Mourinho's £4 million deal with Heineken, which is due to be aired pre-Champions League and has been obviously running now for a little while, which makes him the highest paid coach, deal-wise? Yeah,
3: it's good. He's doing his business, isn't he? gets yeah. paid, gets the dollar, sorts himself out until United are back in a Champions
2: League, right? And he needs to just keep the money rolling. It's all great, Dave. it's all great, Dave. Until you stop winning, and then you know, Head and Shoulders come back. People talk about Heineken getting you a bit drunk, or not being in the, you know, drink responsibility, Is always saying, but you know, United in the Europa League, but their manager is advertising the Champions League. I guess they got to keep yeah, because he wants to be there,
3: right? He's mm-hmm. a motivational tool. He's going to play it to the players before the Europa League game and be like, "We are not going to be here next year, boys. You sort it out, all right?
2: Have a Heineken. Have a Heineken. Here, have a Heineken." I got, I got a great load, free. I don't know why he's Eastern European. Um, anyway, uh, City, Nick, this week, play Mönchengladbach, who lost 3-1 to Freiburg on Saturday. Um, Pep absolutely dominated Bundesliga last season, and obviously for a few years before that as well. But in the UCL, he never won it for them. However, he did obviously uh, complete quite a few good games with them, getting to the semi-final consistently. Um, what, what's the deal with City? And what, you know, what's, the, what's the feeling from the blue side?
4: I think we're going to go into the game relatively confident. Uh, Dave has alluded to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach being one of the best games of the season for City last year yeah. when we played them. And I would certainly agree. It was a really exciting game because we were sort of a counter-attacking team in the Champions League last season. Um, and it was really exciting. But I, I think the feeling going into the Champions League this year is that, you know, this is one of the reasons Pep Guardiola has come in. He's here to elevate the club to the standard that it. it Seeks to be, it strives to be. And, you know, I know we haven't done so well in the past. Last year was obviously our record of how far, you know, we've ever been in the competition. But, you know, I, I have high expectations for this year. As for winning it this year, I'm not 100% sure. But certainly with his in, within his tenure, if he doesn't at least get to a final, I think he can look back on that and say, maybe I didn't do as well as I should have.
2: Elsewhere in that group, uh, Celtic obviously taking on Barcelona. Brave, brave Celtic. They're so brave, aren't they, Chris? Just brave, just so brave, just so brave the way that they do this. Yeah, uh, very brave the way you're trying. Um,
1: yeah, the, you know, the, 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 I, I think not only is the the fact that they managed to to be great for their confidence the fact that Alaves then go and and manage to beat Barcelona
2: it
1: it gives them hope that the result they got the other year um, albeit at Celtic Park is perhaps achievable um, again so yeah the the Celtic team at the minute it's a funny one to watch I don't think they're anywhere near what Rodgers wants them to be
2: Um, is any team is any Rodgers team ever near what Rodgers wants them to be Chris
1: True. No, that's a good point. I, th- I think Colo.
2: Colo. See, my thought was watching the old firm, old firm
1: derby was that it, it was simply a case of Celtic had the. This is going to sound very rudimentary. They had the better players. Yeah. Um. Not necessarily the better ideas. And it was just a case of individual quality. I mean, for, that was the one thing that's kind of surprised me about Warburton is that he's he's got the likes of Harry Forrester in. He's got. Um, these younger players that he clearly wants to to bring in and work with and yet he brings in guys like Philip Senderos Clint Hill yeah. they're just players that I, I see the thinking to a degree in terms of adding experience but with all due respect to the, the aforementioned players there's a reason they're all, all on free transfers and and part of the reason is they're not very good
2: Yes, although uh, definitely worth a watch is Clint Hill's interview uh, in Ramble Meets with the Football Ramble over on the Football Ramble's YouTube Really well shot. Do you
3: do you see the uh, despicable um, stuff Me? from the Celtic fans at that game?
2: No, Dave. What was I supposed to see?
3: Um, so they got some like blow up dolls yeah. or blow up fellas and they put a rope round their neck and Jeez. put a Rangers scarf around them and hung uh, and hung them off one of the the tiers. And that was at that was um, a slant at one of the Rangers players whose brother had just committed suicide last week. So well done, football fans again. You fucking won the world
2: you definitely don't represent wider views uh celtic fans dis- i'm just dis- i got disappointed with that i yeah you
3: it's just not great is it it's not you know it's something that's with all needs to, to have mm. in in this world you know mental health is a thing that we we don't touch on enough um and it's something that we should spend more time and money invested in into helping people with mental health problems and they make a mockery of it at this place when they just don't need to. And, and it's and, unfortunate. I mean, and, and I imagine yeah. it's only a tiny minority of them. And I wouldn't even say, I'm not even going to call them Celtic fans. It's a minority of stupid people doing that. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's a day that they, they you know, won the game 5-1, they should be celebrating, but unfortunately that has put a bad light on it. For it does me. sort
2: of taint it a little bit because being a bad winner is, is as bad as sort of being a bad loser, if you like. Um, you know, either way, you don't really win. Um, anyway, the Celtic kind of won this one uh, in that sense, 5-1 against Rangers. And the, the image which we're basically painting is uh, Rangers aren't quite back up to that same level, but they're certainly on their way. And most people would assume, considering the funding status and everything else around that club, that they can at least get towards that goal. Um, obviously, Celtic play Barcelona. Brave, brave Brendan Rodgers and his Celtic guys uh, going... Uh, Tabasa, camp now, camp new, camp no. Uh, and Dave, the important thing, and I think the thing that we must all acknowledge here is Neymar is launching something, and he's launching the Brazilian. I'll read the headline: The Brazilian has revealed he wants to share Ney Musico the world with the world, and has announced he will be releasing his first song on Wednesday on Facebook. <coughs>
3: Lawrence, um, before you dive into this next little section, just yeah. have a look, look, quick read at my note, and in then the you can notes, go for it. it just, Dave, <laughs> Dave's
2: only notes is it just says "fucking hell." Uh, now my idea from, I mean, I'm I'm fascinated to hear what Neymar's going to put out there. You know, I really enjoyed, I enjoy Brazilian music in the first place. You know, that kind of it's just a good beat. Um, Nick, you into music at all? Do you like Neymar? Do you like music? Well, you're going to love this.
4: <laughs> yeah I, I love music i um i listened to a lot of flamenco music recently actually so big fan
2: i'd say this is almost perfect man. Um, whoever's moving around on the microphone i'm guessing it's dave um that won't make it into. The i'm on track. mute of course you are dave <laughs> um anyway it got me thinking other music playing because name musico doesn't even sound that good i mean you could have gone for name i don't know what else you could have gone for but i went for I if anyone else can think of one, Chris, you're normally quite good at this. Um, I went for some other music-providing provi- services. Um, Coutuneo. Surely that one's a good one. No? Felipe Coutuneo. Nei Mariachi. Ooh, that's nice, Chris. Yeah. I, I also went for Messy-Fi. Are we just going for genre here? Or, or no, no. Yeah, well, you can go for genre, you can go for service. I went for uh, Messy-Fi, like spotty-Fi. Um, I also went down the route of um, Shazam Dasar, de, de which is like... Um, vandasar but you can hold him up to music and he'll tell you what it is um i also went for didier Drogcast and paul Pogcasts. um i don't know and then when we got into football genres i went with andy soul <laughs> anyone else if anyone else has got one because i get the feeling they are probably our I, have a, I have
4: a dance move one if we're allowed to do dance moves if you so we love know them.
2: any dance moves i'm very impressed
4: I think I think uh, Mohammed El Nene is, Oh
2: very good You see that Very good Oh Dave you really Got to help your game Because otherwise It looks like Nick's Going to be permanently Taking your place On the podcast
3: <laughs> Thank fuck for that
2: eh? <laughs> I know right Dave surely you might, I mean Anyway uh, Let us know Online whether, What you would name Your football Music sharing service Personally I'm going to go For Cajunio Brings a little bit Of magic to your ears <laughs> I do, yeah, something like that iPhone iPhone No, doesn't work Anyway, uh, moving on to the other guys this week uh, Who are going around Europe And Arsenal obviously taking a trip to PSG They go into that tie uh, With a 2-1 win over Southampton The contentious point was over the Olivier Giroud penalty Most people saying it was a penalty But some people saying not Anyone else on the podcast think no? No penalty? No? All right, fair enough. Um, Arsenal, no, it's great uh, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm happy with it as well because he had hold of his shirt so clearly.
3: Mm. Uh, anyone else? It's not in- like one of the ones we've seen recently where they just like tap each other on the shoulder and there's a penalty. It was actually you know clear
2: shirt tugging. Yeah, it was a clear infringement in that sense, Dave. Yeah, um, and obviously Southampton. Exactly. I feel like Southampton have been unlucky with their early run of the early run of. Uh, uh, fixtures essentially. Uh, when they have got results, then they were so close to another result here. They should have should have maybe snatched a, a one all but they didn't manage to. Uh, anyway, Arsenal go to Paris PSG drew one all on Friday night and then the previous game lost 3-1 to Monaco. Dave, what's going on at PSG?
3: I think they're just um they're struggling without Zlatan to be quite honest. You know, Zlatan scored 38 goals in the league and got 13 assists. You know, he's a big miss and, and Cavani's not really stepped up there. Um, I think Hesse started um, on on Friday night for them. So I think they're just struggling to find the right balance of their team, but I think Unai Emery will find it. Um, I think with the likes are, you know getting someone like Crow into the side, I think that's going to be crucial to the to, to his style of play. You know, he does like very physical defensive midfielders to start it off, and then a ball player. So I think it's just going to take time for them to to find the right balance. Um, but they will go on to win the league. They've got enough quality. Maybe they do need to sign a striker um, in January. They they will do. You know, I, I expected Cavani to be the the go-to man, but he's not really starting and. It's just a strange one. You have know, players like Blaze Matuidi as well, potentially it was the right time to move him on again. Not really a Unai Emery player for me. Not, not a destroyer or not really a ball-playing central midfielder. So I could have got, you know, I would probably would have got rid of him as well. I wouldn't have got rid of him, just just moved him on. Um, so, yeah, I think they're just they're trying to search for something. Um, and they're not quite there yet.
2: Still haven't found what they're looking for. Uh, Nick?
4: Yeah, I, I would sort of echo what Dave said, and I would really judge Unai Emery's time at PSG sort of on the European competition. Because I think if you sort of look at what the moves that PSG have made over the past few years, you know, when they started buying these big players, Mm. Ibrahimovic, David Luiz, etc., I think their main focus, you know, they obviously want to win the French League, but... Their main focus is the Champions League. I think that sort of th- their their you know conglomerate sees that as the ultimate you know signif or, you know signifier that they've achieved something. And I think they've gone out and hired probably one of the best European Cup coaches uh, of the past few years. I mean, even if you look at uh, Sevilla last year, they didn't win. I don't think they won at home in the league, uh, and they won the European Cup or the Europa League. So I think judge his
2: time there as. Um, as, as PSG coach on, on his European performance. Anyone else seen this interesting headline that the, the UK government has started to advise people uh, that if you do end up in a, a country of that area, especially if it's Emirates-related, um, you should stay away from insulting or saying disparaging or anything sort of um, against uh, the Emirates-based people, Emiratis, I would say. Because apparently you can be put in prison for it, even if you tweet it, even if you, if you tweet a, a pro- Something else that's not necessarily pro Emirates, but is pro maybe one of their not so friendly people. Uh, I'm not sure what I want to reference here. Um, Then you can go, you can get in real trouble, which is sort of worrying a little bit. I guess with with so much investment in football, you almost, you know, if we're going to check, put it this way, Dave. You know, obviously people are happy to sort of, you know, take the checks and all those sort of things, but if we are going to accept money and we're going to sort of have uh, right and proper uh, owners and those sort of things, should we surely have right and proper sponsors?
3: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's it's only fair, isn't it? You
2: shouldn't... Or would would that, Dave, leave no sponsors in football?
3: I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? But I think that they, they should be criticised. You know, they should be criticised if they're doing Care the wrong say, thing.
2: Careful what you say, Dave.
3: That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, call me Adidas. I'm looking for a deal.
2: Very good point, very good point Dave um, uh, Anyway, uh, should we move on a little bit Because it's probably best to at this point point. Um, and I, I actually think Chris Does have uh, an oil deal somewhere Which maybe we shouldn't um, Yeah, anyway uh, Chris, you got to bounce, apparently So, uh, should we say goodbye to you? Yes, if that's good It's been a pleasure, gents Chris, I'll see you on FanDuel
1: Yes, I look forward to that That'll be exciting Exactly, and excellent. Well done,
2: Chris. Uh, anyway, uh, go find him, K Henage at uh, at K Henage, H E N E A G E. He's an excellent Twitter account. He's in New York right now. Uh, Chris, enjoy New York. Have a wonderful time. Cheers, guys. I'll see you soon. And yeah, tweet him. He's a wonderful guy. Good old Kristen. Um, there we go, and off he goes. Uh, lovely to have him on the podcast, though. um Anyway, guys, Nick, talk to me. Uh, as we go into another Champions League game this week, Tottenham absolutely roast Stoke 4-0. Yeah, I think,
4: uh, I honestly, I think it's uh, this results is sort of an aberration in the sense that I think Tottenham are really being found out this year. I wouldn't put a whole lot of confidence in this result. Uh, Mark Hughes may be one of the first managers to get the sack, in my opinion, this year. Yep. Um, I think... Tottenham, they're sort of being found out that 4-2-3-1 system, like I alluded to before or said before about Mourinho, is that it's overly dependent on that sort of midfield two that's the connection between the back four and the the front four, if you will. Um, And they they are really heavily reliant on Harry Kane getting goals as well as uh, Moussa Dembele having a really good performance. So them competing in the league as well as other cup competitions is going to be a real strain on that squad. And I'm not sure if
2: Pochettino's sort of tactically able to to cope with that. It's very interesting, because obviously, putting your neck on the line a little bit there, I guess, because, I mean, I I feel like Tottenham, most people feel like Tottenham are building in the right direction.
4: I I would agree with that uh, last year, but I I don't think the moves that they've made have really... uh, Because, uh, and Dave spoke about it before, uh, Moussa Dembele's stats sort of lie in a way, and that's why I have a... I have a problem with singular statistics is that his take on percentages and the people he goes past is rather high for someone that sits in the middle of midfield, but it's not in a sort of Cristiano Ronaldo go past one player uh, to sort of shoot type of way. It's the fact that he gets crowded by two, maybe three other midfielders and he holds onto the ball due to his physical strength and close control. And that in turn frees up other players like Christian Eriksen, like Eric Lamella at the time, like Nasser Chadli and Harry Kane um does he provide that direct assist no but does he set it up yes and so that's why that system is so dependent on him and it's very difficult to find someone like that and golokante is a good example of that what he's doing at chelsea now
2: yeah very good point um of course uh tottenham in the champions league though this is exciting stuff uh dave you can head over to the youtube channel uh l- probably monday tuesday probably tuesday uh to see what people uh think on TF3 about that should we move on though because Liverpool played uh, the current champions of England who are back in Europe we'll talk about that in just a second as they play Krupp, Krupp, club Bruges later this week and Liverpool uh, well they moved into their new stand new stadium first home game of the season and it was an emphatic 4-1 win against the champions uh, Firmino Sturridge working very well as a combination Mane obviously looking fantastic with his bursts of pace uh, him saying in a Q&A today on Liverpool's Twitter it's all about the initial yards. It's about that little burst, as opposed to the long uh, distance speed, which is important. Uh, any anyone got any comments on Liverpool? Because obviously, it was against Leicester, who actually didn't look all that good.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to look into this this result. And my my main worry for Liverpool is that in sort of Klopp's first few months as Liverpool manager, I think they were sort of overly dependent on on the press that that. Klopp has sort of instilled and I've I've read a little bit about it. It's very interesting how he coaches the press into his players. He says it's less about sort of a set play and more just in training. That's why he did two to three a day sometimes. It's more about coaching an instinct into the players. It yeah. can't even be said. That's how quick it is. And so yeah. I think for a while there, they were sort of overly dependent on the press to create chances. And this game, obviously, they created their own chances in a fantastic way. And I think
2: that's a promising sign for a lot of Liverpool fans. Some fantastic goals in there, as every other pundit saying, if only Adam Lalana could add goals to his game, he'd really be a great player. <laughs> um and most people the, the irony is that most people say that after he scored a goal um but he, he really he's, he's looking revitalized and he keeps running new records that or at least records for this season as to how far a player runs he ran just over 13k in this game which i think most people would struggle to run um in a game anyway uh it's not it's I not
4: certainly
2: by th- can't I, I, I can definitely run 13k But uh, in the way that Adam Milano does, maybe not. And he's looking rather fit. He's all over the pitch and finished with probably the goal of the game. Uh, Daniel Sturridge's movement up front, fantastic as well. He played centrally. Firmino played just off him. And again, another thing where people say, if only he could find this position. Uh, And then when he does, he sort of fades into the game. But it tends to be against smaller teams. It'd be fantastic if he could do it in some bigger games for Liverpool. And obviously more consistently, which I believe is probably why he's lost his brazil spot right now um in the south of france dave balotelli scored as many goals in one day as he has in the past two seasons and he says moving to liverpool was the worst decision of my life
1: i
3: think it was a stupid mistake but it, he made it um, I think, well i you know, also think liverpool would probably it's sort say, of like trying to put it away balotelli. isn't he He's trying to pass the blame yeah.
2: well i mean i imagine liverpool would also say moving for balotelli was the worst decision of our life
3: <laughs> yeah i think so i think that's one of those things where it's just like, oh, you know, now I'm in Nice, so I can now go back and say, oh, that was a bad decision. But you, you made it, Mario. You made the show. Ch- you know, you decided to do it. We'd
2: say also you didn't. I do don't it. don't push yeah. the blame way in. I mean, I come I, on, Mario. Again, yeah. But I think with with I feel a bit. I do feel a bit sorry for Mario in that sense because I, you know, I feel the way he's portrayed is terrible. But no, he, come he, on, he, mate. these sort of comments do not help his overall media perception. I would say, but may, I mean, at the same time, it, it may not be um, the horrible. Comment that maybe some people think it, it might just be the forthright speaker that we know, and maybe he's right. You know, from a completely um, uh, objective standpoint, you probably could have gone somewhere else, um, and you know what, you probably would have done better somewhere else. And Nice is, like you said, Dave, on last week's podcast, a great place to be.
3: Yeah, I think we, you know we'll get Lucy and Favre will get the best out of him. Dante back in there, and um, then they'll just they'll, they'll turn into a very good side. But on Liverpool, I think they are really moving towards. Um, the Klopp style of football, there was a lot of short passing in the final third to create chances, a lot of one-twos, a lot of third-man runs, and it was it was nice to see a, a team playing the, the Klopp way again, but I think Leicester City, what is going wrong there? they just forgotten how to defend. The amount of space in between their midfield and their attack, the amount of space that Eno got between the um, the two centre-backs, I think it was, for the first goal, was just, it's very un-Leicester City, and it's what we don't expect from Leicester City, and I do feel that they're, they're going to struggle, and I've said they're going to struggle with um, how they're playing, and I do feel they've got to evolve again, and they're, they're not doing that at the moment, and they are going to get beat by the, the better sides this season. Yeah. Nick?
4: Yeah, I sort of, you know, echoing back to to Balotelli, I, 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 you know, struggle with this perception that the media builds sometimes about strikers and how they have to have this, you know, exuding confidence about them, and they have to be, you know, I, I don't know, they have to have the cars and the money and the women outside of football in order you to, you that. know, score score the goals on the pitch what do you think of that sort of uh perceptional you know narrative do 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 you think that uh someone really has to be that sort of cocky ass as it is uh off the pitch in order to be a great striker i think
2: actually i think where you're coming from is right i think maybe you're starting in the right place i think uh, a lot of people think that you have to be a certain kind of character and they're very quick to box you but then they they want, you know, they want you to stay within the box, essentially. So, you know, when you look at Hernandez, who came to United, he wasn't cocky, he wasn't loud, mm-hmm. he wasn't any of these things. But he was an enthusiastic uh, Mexican with, uh, you know, not not particularly big reputation in terms of, you know, uh, the way that most people tend to judge anyone coming from the CONCACAF region anyway. Um, and ultimately, I think it's that people almost want you to stay in your box. And the problem with Mario Balotelli is that the box that people have made for him isn't a particularly nice one. Um and so he's kind of trying to show people where he wants to be. And I think sometimes when you make comments or you're not careful enough, as maybe some people on the podcast experience when they, you know, they make comments or we all make comments on our daily life, you'll probably see that people take it the wrong way at some point or people read it the wrong way or people will get a little bit agitated or angry. I'm sure we've all said that on a YouTube video or a podcast at some point where someone's tweets you off, says oh, you fucking dickhead. could um, <sighs> I mean, imagine that on it, you know, a million times. Um, And at the same time, I think, you know, with Balotelli and with any sports star, there's a reason why maybe they're told not to engage with those things is because, you know, from a very pseudo uh, psychology sort of standpoint, um, you know, that that, that can have a negative impact or maybe you shouldn't look any further. If things work, keep them working. Um, But I mean, the problem with Balotelli is, is maybe he's been told what success is and actually... At times, the problem for him is he needed to he needed a manager like Klopp or maybe, like he's got now at Nice, who uh, will be willing to sort of corral him a little bit and put him in the right direction um, and maybe get him, ultimately, that move to PSG that he wants. Um, <coughs> it, anyway, Liverpool are moving in the right direction. But again, it's all about consistency, so I'm not going to judge anything until Liverpool put a couple of results in a row together. But they find themselves only a couple of points off United and within uh, the right area of the league. So positives there for liverpool now guys can i talk to you dave nick can i talk to you for a second can i have your ear
3: what do you want Lawrence? What
2: absolutely want? not oh okay because it's about it's about someone who's going to help the podcast dave oh oh
3: good day yeah shoot <laughs> away lawrence
2: you okay. you you tell me okay well i'm going to tell you Dave. um first of all we've been uh, some of you may know so moved on to a new uh, a new streaming uh, slash uh podcast app called acast um and those guys have bought us the opportunity to pair up with fan jewel anyone else out there uh, aware of fan
3: it's unbelievable the most fun i've ever had in my whole entire
2: life lawrence all right dave i mean dave it says it says it says uh here try and keep it believable
3: all right. <laughs> no I, I honestly like um fantasy sports and, um, you know, fantasy football is is a lot of fun and taking that concept to um, a day game makes it even more fun, especially yeah. when you can win, win a bit of dosh.
2: Well, this is the point is you can win a little bit of money involved with this. Um, and this is kind of why we want you to get involved, because w- the reason that we want to pair up Fanjul is because we want to be able to take the podcast a little bit further. Fanjul is saying, you know, if you can prove how dedicated all of your fans are on the podcast and, you know, you get a lot of people to go over and sign up, then... Uh, We will help you guys out and help you to move the podcast further forward. Um, And the the bottom line is that if you go over and sign up with the promo code, I am the whole, that's I am the whole. Yes, Lawrence chose that one. Um, It's also, can I just say, it's very awkward to tell when someone says to you, um, great, that's all the details out the way. Now, Lawrence, what do you want your promo code to be? And I just sit in a meeting and go, I am the whole. Um, It's First of all, if they don't get the concept of the front three or know what the hole is in football, uh, it all becomes rather awkward. Um, <laughs> and secondly, spelling out H O L E down a phone uh, to a group of lovely uh, but still confused PR people, um, then it is—it's just entertaining. Let's put it that way. Um, and fans are looking to help us out. They do kind of one-day fancy football, and it is—it is good fun. I've gone on—I've gone over and signed up today. I'm currently putting together my uh, fancy team for the Champions League can anyone give me any uh, recommendations because I've sort of gone so far I have three players in there I have Lewandowski I have Giroud and I have Alonso um, it, it's not really done in sort of it's done in a traditional fantasy football way Dave but it and Nick I don't know if you play fantasy football as well but we're gonna you, you're gonna be welcome to play FanDuel with us um, essentially what the problem is is that I I don't know who to pick yet so I need someone's help here Goalkeeper I
3: Clean cheese, right? That's the big one. Yeah, but Dave, big it's all done on points. up to
2: stats. So over the yeah, next few weeks, the... we're going to find out uh, through FanDuel because they base it all on up to stats, not just sort of, you know, your average fantasy f- uh, football uh, game. They base it on more than that.
3: So it's basically, can you outstat Dave? Uh, if you, you know beat wh- me,
2: Dave, are you? Well, Dave, you Dave, i got to quit. Dave, you need to sign up before the Champions League and get your team in to the 3.5k a a right? Champions League kickoff. Um, Oof, I am there because if you do, and it's only five pounds to enter Dave, um, then you win, you can win a share of three and a half thousand, which is pretty good. Um, and apparently if Dave, you use the, ho- the, the code, I am the whole, then mm. we'll return your entry fee up to 10 pounds. If you don't win in your first contest, plus whatever Four your first deposit is, is, they'll double it all the way up to 400 pounds. Um,
3: so, so the more money you put in, the more money you
2: get out, then, Lawrence, right? The more money you can potentially get out, Dave, yes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited. Anyway, anyone just put a name out there because I'm playing for the first. So uh, if you guys want to come and play us on the app, you can come and find us. I'm Lozcast, TF3. L 3 That's L-O-Z-C-A-S-T-T-F-3. And you can see what my progress is. On Champions League night, I'll be playing. I'll be watching it live in the FanDuel app. You guys can come as ha- ha- come have some fun with this, Nick. If you want to go, sign up. You're more than welcome. Um, get over to FanDuel.co.uk. Don't forget to use the code. I am the whole. Just saying, it's good. Anyone want to uh, shout someone out for?
3: Um, uh, Antoine Griezmann after his um, return to form this weekend. Have they,
2: they, um, they? Wait, Dave. It's got to be on uh, game day. It's got to be the first game. Yeah, yes. No. Yeah. Good.
3: They're playing. Yeah, you know, oh, I've, I've checked it day. out, Lawrence. I'd also go for players that play for Basel. Um, Why, Dave? because they're playing um, Ludograts at home yeah. so you're looking at your clean sheet bonus there yeah, and yeah, you're looking yeah. at potentially if you've your lads picking up some passing stats in midfield yeah which is obviously going to be positive um and then the strikers are going to get some more chances because they are playing a weaker weaker opponent you'd say so maybe let me just let me just find some names, Lawrence. Let, do you know let me else, have a quick do you know look.
2: What else I sort of like about it is that it only picks out the players that you're going to need. So there are some other fantasy games that I play. I don't know if you guys have other experience like this, but there are other fantasy games that I play where, so for instance, I've entered a team and then afterwards I've realised that that player's not playing on the right day. Do you know what I mean? Oh. You um, bold yeah. it, Lawrence, mate. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> Um, so, it, it's looking good so far. I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm making a couple of different teams here. Uh, I'm sort of putting them together right now. Uh, who could we go for between PSG and Arsenal? PSG and Arsenal? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I'm, I've, I've Lucas, got Olivier Lucas Giroud. Mora. Lucas Moura. Lucas Moura is a lovely pick. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, I think he might lose, so I'm not going to put him in there. I can have up, up to four Arsenal players. Uh, you think uh, Arsenal's
4: uh, going to win that game?
2: I do, yeah. Really? Do you not?
4: Do you not? I do not at all. I think they're going to get wrecked.
2: <laughs> really? Okay. <understand. laughs> Fair enough. Um, anyway, guys, go over to uk if you haven't already signed up because I know a couple of other people have been doing it. Uh, and like I say, if you put in the code, I am the whole, then you get the benefits of coming from um, the front three side of things. And you also let the guys know that you listen to the podcast and that we can, we can be trusted uh, to get guys to go over there and essentially sign up and sort of be... Um, trusted to be good uh, excellent stuff anyway in just a second we're going to go through the rest of the weekend's games don't forget fanduel.co.uk. I am the whole.
0: cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com
2: Yeah, do, you think, do you think I said that enough? I, I am the whole, anyway. Uh, moving into the next part of the podcast, guys. Yeah, I am the whole. Um, it's, it's a really good promo code. Uh, unless, of course, your boss tracks at work the things that you type in, at which point, yeah, good luck. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Bournemouth won at home. Finally, uh, Dave. Callum Wilson got the goal. The man, Callum Wilson, we've all been waiting. We all hyped him up so much last season. We were all so upset when he was taken out so cruelly from the season. Um, it's, it's, it's good to see Bournemouth win from my point of view.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, I still aren't convinced by Bournemouth. I still potentially think they will get relegated. But yeah, it's a, it's a very good result for them. Um, you know, Getting them kick-started this season, get a bit of belief back. Um, and Callum Wilson is going to be crucial. We know West Brom have been very good defensively this season, not looked too good going forward, but uh, McCauley's looked good. Johnny Evans has looked good. So it, it's good for Bournemouth to get a bit of confidence that they've broken down, um, you know, a very resilient um, opposition. You know, Jack Wilshere made his made his debut, came on um, as a second off substitute, completed 89% of his passes, created a chance. But yeah, again, I, as we mentioned before, the, the Bournemouth midfield for me was too. Similar. All the players played the same way. So I think Jack Wilshere is going to be crucial to getting Bournemouth further up the league. And, you know, if Callum Wilson can stay fit and get scoring, they've got a good chance there. But again, I still think they potentially have a bit of issue at the back in terms of the quality there.
2: Yeah, of course, Jack Wilshire coming on for Jordan Ibe, who made some lovely moves during the game. Um, but ultimately, it's my end product for Jordan Ibe. I think that's partly why Liverpool let him go, but also gave him the option of that buyback. Um Anyway, Bournemouth getting the goal and getting the three points, uh, West Brom. Well, let's see. Uh, If if more uh, poor results come out, will the new owners get rid of Pulis? We've only got time to tell. Um, Middlesbrough won uh, Crystal Palace 2. Crystal Palace getting a great away result here. Um, And then the same for Hull City, who got a great away result at Burnley. one all. Um, The idea of burning out doesn't seem to be one that Hull uh, are ultimately interested in. But next up they play Arsenal. That is going to be a good game. Will Arsenal slip up? Will Hull we'll take a big scalp? We'll find out next. Um, West Ham. West Ham managed to get a, um, I think a Rabona and the Worm into this game somehow, um, but Nick, still they managed to lose four two. They 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 were charming as ever as any West Ham guy is, and ultimately, uh, Watford just didn't succumb to that charm.
4: Yeah, I would uh, I would say you know it was a great game to watch. I, I've said in the past that. I really like what Mazzari done with this Watford side, uh, and to sort of keep the faith because after you know consecutive losses, I sort of said, well, you know what's going on here, and I looked at their schedule, and they've had a really tough schedule so far, and they, it doesn't even seem to lighten up until I think later this month or even next month, um, if I'm correct. So you know, it was it was a good game to watch. Mazzari's team plays nice football on the ground with three at the back, five in midfield, two up front. Igal is getting back to, into some form now. Dini had a nice game. I think Dave has been right, you know, about Billich now that, you know... He,
3: no, stop it! Stop it!
4: <laughs> he's tactically, you know, he's got one idea going into the game. My opinion, and then if that idea doesn't work, he's screwed. Um, and it really showed in this game. He really didn't know what to do. And I really like this Watford team and what they've done. So hopefully, you know, Watford, uh, Watford's owners don't
2: quickly sack Mazzari. Yeah, we'll see about that one, won't we? But still,
3: I think I think the the big thing with um, West Ham, which is a little bit worrying, is in terms of how many goals they've conceded. Um, you know, only Stoke have conceded more goals in the Premier League this season. Stoke have conceded ten. West Ham have conceded nine goals in in four games. So it's not looking too promising. I think I think Watford have been the real surprise package. Um, Etienne Capoue as well. I think I think like, the season of his life. And yeah. um, we all know that he, he's got the skills to pay the bills, but you know, getting two very, very crucial goals and playing a sort of more, slightly more advanced role uh, than he's used to um, for Spurs before that, um, and Watford, and Watford, you know, this season. It's it's quite interesting to see them them switch to a back three and uh, and and then evolve. And it's going to be a tough season for West Ham. It really is because people are people know what they are, you know. But Pyatt coming back it, I think that's going to be. Good for them, um, you know, to assist in the game, was directly involved in 10 of the shots that what uh, the West Ham had, sorry. So I think he's going to be positive. And of, of course, my boy Mikel Antonio grabbing another headed goal this weekend. I, th- I think he's, you know, bringing him back to right, uh, right midfield is again going to help their resurgence. But at the back, they still look very dodgy.
2: Yeah, that's that's part of it. You can't win a game if you're going to concede four. Well, you can, but you've got to be Liverpool on an Anfield night. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah part of that new stadium looks interesting at Anfield but then the new stadium for West Ham just doesn't seem to be working out so far at least um and who'd have thought that under such great owners Golden Sullivan I'm gonna put a I'll put a a link to a clip along with the link to uh FanDuel in the in the in the description you guys just go take a look um maybe if you're faint-hearted or you're sort of a little bit off you won't like it. Uh, anyway, the, said about the West Ham stadium move um, and obviously the trouble that has ensued after we've been in touch with the club and the relevant authorities and there will be more conversations on Monday. West Ham, of course, saying after there was literal violence, um, which continued outside the stadium as well between West Ham fans, uh, the, the FA saying that they they would look into it and West, excuse me, West Ham saying um, that they would literally ban people for life. Um, at this point, it's hard to know who it was, but uh, Anyway, if you find out who it was, it's not going to be great for them. Uh, much has been made of West Ham's uh, stadium, stadium move uh, with a £15 million of just £272 million that was apparently needed to adapt it for football paid by West Ham. And apparently they pay the pen annual rent um, and they're obliged, they're, they're sort of obliged to pay that, but not nothing else. So police costs, everything else, all the other costs that are normally sort of going to this sort of thing. Uh, are not being covered by West Ham at this point. It doesn't seem like a great relation between West Ham board and anyone else out there in the world, not least their own fans, who at times are also talking about the club being um, covered in debt. Anyway, apparently they're not in debt to the wrong people, though. Say, Golden Sullivan, and at one time, Karen Brady. Um, Anyway, Nick, Chelsea, two, Swansea at home, also got two. Uh, Where do we start with this one? Because ultimately, uh, Chelsea started to lead, it looked exciting for them, it looked like things were going the right way, Costa scores the goal, it's just fantastic. And then Swansea go and score two in quick succession, and then Costa has to rescue them again.
4: Yeah, I think it was a great game for Chelsea at the beginning. Uh, The first half, they were literally cruising through, not much of a problem for them at all. Uh, Hazard looked to be, you know, going at players like like him, like the hazard of two years ago, Tosta looking form It looked like sort of Conte's four one four one was working great. And then Swansea woke up. They said, you know, we don't want to lose this game. They started and I think that's sort of uh, the caveat of the Premier League as opposed to other leagues. Um is that, you know, if you go to these Swansea sort of mid table teams and you start to get into sort of a dogfight fight with them, you you might come out with a loss or a draw. And that's sort of what happened here. The the, the game was getting chippy, you know physical t- uh, challenges were flying flying in left, right and centre and, and Chelsea got caught up in it and they did do well to, to score again but Swansea, Swansea showed, showed some, some good performance here.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very good point. Of course, Oscar and his new role. Anyone interested in Oscar's new role um, in that midfield? Uh, Dave, overall that midfield shape and sort of how oh. Kante fits into it, whether the players are left to be their effective selves essentially.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know what I know what he's trying. I know that he's playing three very functional, aggressive players that, that can win the ball, but it's just got the wrong balance to me, 100%. Like, it doesn't work at all. Kante shouldn't be, for me, he shouldn't be a defensive midfielder. He shouldn't be holding. He's the one that you want out there, biting people's ankles, harassing them, getting in their face, winning tackles. Um, and then you want someone like Matic maybe controlling in the game and then Oscar sitting next to Kante. That would work. Matic is a very, very good ball player, but also physical also can do a job in there. I just think it's the wrong the wrong uh, um position in terms of where you know who's at the tip and who's um being the two aggressors in a way. I quite like oscar in this this role. um but again, it's making him a little bit ineffective in an attacking sense. um you know he's, he's a, uh, sort of on the pitch when he's on the ball, it's it's not as good as it it could be if he was playing attacking midfield. but yeah, Kante, in terms of his defensive stats as well, you know he's only I think he's only won like 21% of his tackles compared to last season, which was at 48%. That's a, that's a massive, massive drop. Um, nice. He is committing more fouls um, through tackles. So it's just like I don't feel like it's the role that suits him. And again, yeah, okay, 95% pass accuracy this season. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. But for me, a DM needs to be more than that in the modern day. I feel like the that's the creator role at I the moment. That's where you want your Pirlos, your Marquisios. You want someone that can get on the ball, can dictate, can spread the play left, right, can play um thirty, forty yard balls. Um Kante in the role plays it a little bit too simple. And I think mean, that was Chelsea's problem. In the first half they looked so good going forward. Hazard was involved. William looked very bright. Um Costa was in there, but then I don't they didn't use it well enough when they had it. But is that Spelled maybe the a point there, from, Dave, is
2: that Kante's not supposed to be that man, he's supposed to get it. Yeah but then it, then why play him at
3: defensive it. midfield in this Conte system? Like Conte so mm-hmm. Conte, not Kante. Kante. Conte, yeah um Juventus always had a, a registrar or a deep line playmaker there. And Pirlo, then Marquisio. And so, he's come to Chelsea, and he's slightly changed it. But just, it's, for me, it's a little bit frustrating.
4: Nick? So with that uh, sort, sort of analysis, would you say that, uh, I think, you know, speaking about the Regista, wouldn't Fabregas fit, fit great into that role? And maybe that's why Bang. Conte exactly. de- decided not to, not to let him go. Because mm. I think the only reason he's not getting into that team is because he is lazy. He doesn't, he doesn't like to run. He doesn't like to yep. run around anymore, so...
3: But it's, it's quite interesting, though. Like Pirlo was never a player that you, you saw would run or you saw that would be putting himself about. But if you look into the distance-covered stats, he was ridiculous. I think it was the Champions League final or the one of the Champions League semis when Juve got to the final and, and they lost to Barcelona. I think it might have be been one of the semi-finals. Pirlo covered the most ground in that game. It was like 14 kilometres. But it wasn't because he was running around. It was because he was getting the ball and giving it, getting the ball, moving on, getting the ball, switching to play. And Fabregas can do that. And if Fabregas wants, wants to get back into the side, yes, he does need to put a little bit more hard work in there. But he has the range of passing and he has the ability to dictate the play from deep. What, you know, you, you go back, what, last week or the week before when Fabregas came on and, and got a, a fantastic assist for Diego Costa, like a 30 yard pass. I feel like Chelsea need that in there because it's a bit too cautious in that midfield at the
2: moment. Mm, good point. Uh, preview now Sunderland play Everton. There you go, David Moyes. Um, Aston Villa play Nottingham Forest. At the weekend, this is the first time that two European champions have met outside the top tier of English football in England. That's Aston Villa and Nottingham Forest. Um, And of course, the championship has two Champions League winners in it this season. Uh, I was discussing with my dad the other day, the smallest smallest club, essentially, in championship. Do you guys know what it is? No idea. What? Rotherham? (laughs) No, smaller, Dave. Burton Albion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, the town where I grew up or it spent a lot of my youth, if you guys want to go back. I think there's a blue plaque on a wall somewhere. Um, it, it's, <laughs> sure. It's, Lawrence McKenna was here. <laughs> Lawrence McKenna. Yeah, I put it on myself, Dave. Um, it says something. Yeah, Lawrence McKenna, you know, kicked a ball here once, et cetera, et cetera. And it says something like, now look at him. What a prick. Um, Roberto <laughs> Matteo obviously, has vowed that Aston Villa will have an upturn after drawing two all, Jesus, uh, with Nottingham Forest. I like Nottingham Forest away kit this season. I'm just saying, I'm tipping that for black and white glory. Black and white kits, it's all that matters. And we would have asked Chris at this point about how Newcastle are doing, at which point he would say, very good, a second to Huddersfield. And in many ways, Dave, that's Klopp's Huddersfield.
3: Yeah, obviously there's a ex-assistant, isn't it? There's manager there now. Um, I think what what Chris mentioned as well, as Newcastle are, um, are doing well under Benitez because of the rotation. And I think that's something that, he did do quite well in the Premier League, but was criticised heavily for it by English pun, pundits in quotation marks. But I think yeah, he's doing it's a good job. He's made yeah. some astute signings. And someone like Dwight Gale um, in the Championship could be a, a player that could score a, a number of goals. And was it Gufran that scored his first goal in 21 games or something like that? Something stupid. But anyway... Life goes on, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, well, life did go on, and Gufran got the goal in the end. Um, yes, ultimately, Benitez coaching them there. If Huddersfield can last the term this season, it'll be fantastic. Uh, I'm lo- I would look forward to Huddersfield in the Premier League. Maybe at times, though, it, there is there's it's showing there there it's showing a little bit that sometimes the the press or the idea uh, and changing your game a little bit can sometimes. Uh, show with certain teams, and it certainly shows with Huddersfield at times. They will not lose ground just because they're so committed to certain ideas or parts of the ideology. Uh, anyway, it's been fantastic to have you guys on the show today, Dave. Uh, what are you doing for the rest of the week? You're going to be Champions Leagueing it up. Obviously, you're going to be playing Fanjul. You're going to go and register. Yeah, the first, get a team first, in
3: first there. I'm playing Fanjul, and I'm yeah. going to win the, all the money. Yeah, um, and all then the I don't know what I'm going to buy. Go buy something really cool. Though. You're going to buy me like a camera date? like a drone or something like that. You know, one of those Ooh, like hover, hovering drone things that you yeah. can like fly, like a remote control car. Get yeah. one of those. I like that. Um, and then with, with the rest of the money, I'm going to probably go on the lash for two weeks, and then that'll be it. I'll come back
2: on the podcast. Drink responsibly. Yeah. Um, of course, there will still be money for you guys left to win if you want to go and win it. So hashtag uh, hashtag us and let us know. I am the whole. Remember, the code is just I am the whole, not hashtag I am the whole. It's just I am the whole. All block capitals. Whole spelled H O L E. Uh, Nick, you're going to go and register now as well. Should I? Should I do that, Lauren? Yeah, why not, Nick? You know, if if it's a chance to
4: play with you, I mean, I I might do it. You've got to say.
2: Other than that, Nick's been fantastic this week. Let Nick know how good he was on the podcast. Uh, He's been great on a couple of other things, and we've wanted to get him on for a while, but here he is. Young um, young journalist. He's younger than me, so I'm going to call him young. young journalist, uh, Nick Morales. And uh, Nick, where can people go find you?
4: People can find me on Twitter. Twitter. Now, I had an interesting conversation with Chris during the summer. He said I, I, I needed advice from him, and, I, and he said, you know, profession, make your Twitter professional. So I changed my handle. So it's okay. at Nico, N-I-C-O underscore O Morales. So that's Nico underscore O
2: Morales. That's me. Nice. I like that. Nico. Do people call you Nico ahead of Nick?
4: Yeah, um, my parents, it's like, a, it's like a childhood name. They always call me Nico, so you can call me Nico if
2: you want. <laughs> I, d- I do, actually. I like the name Nico. Uh, go go find Nico over there. It's, it's worth uh, taking a look. That'll be in the description below. And, of course, you can find Dave. Dave.
3: Dave? Dave? Dave Talks Lawrence. What about you, mate?
2: Where do we find you? You'll find me on later this week, previewing the Champions League on the, the YouTube of TF3. Um, and who knows why does anyone else want to do a, a periscope dave should we get together and do a periscope together or something do you still or do people a, still periscope i don't know or
3: even a facebook live Lawrence.
2: you, you do never facebook know with live. these things dave what if we mixed the two we did fanduel and facebook live and we fanduel live on facebook
4: <laughs> that'd be absolutely <laughs> That's product integration
2: right there yeah. <laughs> i'm not the thing is i'm not even trying to do product integration i just want to i genuinely want to prove to people that the people who listen to the front 3 are like dedicated and they'll go and use our code so that then they'll come along and they'll be like, Oh, we can grow. This podcast can get better. And then they'll, they'll sort of help us out because so many other podcasts just sort of sit there and don't get any help. And I'm f- so grateful for the help. I really want to help those people back. Um, it's a sweet story. I'll put it that way. Uh, thanks to the guys ever at FanJewel. Thanks, Michael FanDuel for helping us out. Steve FanDuel, Lawrence. um No, surely Dave, surely it's like a uh, Frank FanDuel. Frank, like, yeah, like Frank's
3: goals. a great
2: name. Or Paul um, podcast. Or Didier Drogcast. <laughs> Paul Podcast. Or uh, Felipe Cucunio. good No, no, stop it. <laughs> uh, let, let's, finish, let's finish this podcast uh, by first of all saying uh, happy Eid to all the listeners who are waking up to this. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Eid by the time that you listen to this one, guys. Um, and to finish off a very pertinent date for Americans uh, today... Um, there was there was a quote from uh, sandy dalu who is a wife of one of the united he was of the united 93 pilot james Dar. she said uh, if we learn nothing else from the tragedy uh, we learn that life is short and there is no time for hate very true and probably very pertinent to a lot of football fans going out this weekend um and so everyone is with those guys Uh, this weekend and thoughts obviously go out to those people uh, who are still thinking back to that day and thinking forward from there as well Um, I hope you guys had a good time with us tonight join us later in the week go join us on YouTube uh, for the Champions League previews and join us later in the week when we review all of that stuff we'll see you again real soon on TF.
0: Free.
3: Bye.